In these lessons, I will attempt to penetrate your mind. You will attempt to resist. Prepare yourself. You two better change into robes. I expect we'll be arriving soon. Yo, 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 welcome to Potheads, chapter 12, right? Chapter 12? Chapter 12. We're on chapter, I don't know the Spanish word for 12, but we're on chapter... Nueve. Really? Mm-hmm. That doesn't sound like it should be 12. That sounds or like no, dose, dose, you're right. Dose. What, nueve, what an idiot I am. I, sorry. I was a nine or I 19. I counted the wrong way from 10. It's been a while since it, I tried to pretend to be learning Spanish. Speak Espanolish. Okay. Welcome to chapter 12 of uh, Potheads. Today we are talking about the mirror of... Erised? Erised. I want to say it's Erised. It is Erised. Yeah, Erised. That's funny. <laughs> I always just read it as Arised, but it, I don't think that's how you're supposed to pronounce it. But it's, uh, it's a good chapter. It's kind of like the last chapter where we just sort of talk Quidditch. This one, there's, you know, not a whole lot happens. Not a whole lot happens that really sort of like shakes the framework of of the story so much, but a lot of cool concepts get brought up. Yeah, outside of the cloak, we don't really drive the plot in this episode. We and So we really just get the cloak and we get the mirror. So we're going to more just talk kind of fun things that we learn in this chapter. But like in terms of real plot driving, yeah. not a lot. There's no. some characterization. There's some fun Dumbledore time. but And that's not to say you should skip this episode because I think this episode is going to be one of our more interesting ones because it brings up a lot of like well, now we get to deep, talk about some of the fun stuff too. Deep, deep subjects. We don't have to get lost in, in in the in the woods talking just the heavy bullet points. Talk me through. Speaking of bullet points, talk me through business. Tell me about the business. The business with Brycey boy. Yeah, what's going on with Bryce? What's going on with everything? So I finally got in touch with Bryce, uh, the great man. It's actually my bad. He replied yesterday. Uh, his biggest correction of the last podcast, uh, by the way, was nothing Uh-oh. to do with Harry Potter. Okay. We talked about uh, how Joe Buck, uh, as a St. Louis guy, is sometimes a little more partial towards St. Louis. Yeah. His uh, he now lives in St. Louis, and his wife is from St. Louis. Diehard Cardinal fan. I'm going to quote him on this one. Uh, wife is a Cardinals fan, and she says Joe Buck can fuck off. The city hates him. They feel he does the opposite of what you said, and they think he goes out of his way to root against the Cardinals. That's crazy. Because I think isn't it everyone else, or maybe he said Joe Buck's a Cubs fan. What's that? He said Joe's Bucks are Cubs. No, that he's like he's a St. Louis guy, but that he actively is like, wow. So like, he, like he just gets hate from everybody because he must just get hate from everybody because uh, I think everybody who's not a Cardinals fan is like, fuck him. He only talks about the Cardinals. Oh, really? Okay. So if Cardinals <laughs> fans are against him too. He's that's hilarious. That's like a uh, you know what it is? It, it's like a, a a dad coaching his son's team. The yeah. kid, you know what I mean? Like everyone from the outside hates it because it's like the kids getting partial treatment, but the kid hates it because it's like, well, dad treats me harder because he's yeah. trying to make an example of he me. Can't win. Yeah, it's a lose lose. What do you? Else? Uh, no, I, I I replied though, just saying. Well, now we're big fans of your wife. Yeah, uh, I just dig. I dig the edge. Not yeah. that I have any strong feelings about Joe Buck. I guess I didn't love the facial hair he was playing with the more recent years. What are you talking about? He's a man. Uh, He's yeah, got a man cave at home where but he it, drinks beers and it, talks with his friends it, about it, chicks. It's too old to have the sexy facial hair. You got to commit one way or another. Yeah, I could see that. Um, he also got too tan. Mm. Let's, this isn't a Joe <laughs> Buck podcast okay. now. Uh, he also said uh, he never considered the absurdity that is the sport of Quidditch. So we actually taught him something on that. We brought up all the interesting things. And he uh, he learned a thing Hell or two. Hell yeah. Which I was fired up. I, this relationship's getting a little one-sided. Uh, but, and then, uh, oh, and then here's the reason he's been gone. It's between the promotion, uh, and he had some, uh, him and his wife are having some doggy issues with their, with their pet dog. They have a new, oh, wow. Uh, yeah. I had to clarify there as I realized the, uh, 
unfortunate wording I used. Um, and uh, But Bryce had a busy couple weeks, but he promises to be back full force next week. You want Bryce, my friend? You are – all is forgiven always. You are a, a true friend of the podcast and a, just a, a, a true – Chicago Cubs fan, I, I respect it. <laughs> uh, all right, let's get into it. So wait, now do we just go right into the summer? Uh, yeah, let's hit it. All you, baby. Take me through Chapter 12, The Mirror of Erised. Chapter 12, The Mirror of Erised. Christmas was coming. One morning in mid-December, Hogwarts woke to find itself covered in several feet of snow. The lake froze solid and the Weasley twins were punished for bewitching several snowballs so that they followed Quirrell around bouncing off the back of his turban. The few owls that managed to battle their way through the stormy sky to deliver mail had to be nursed back to health by Hagrid before they could fly off again. It is winter time at Hogwarts. That first sentence is absolutely bonkers how, again, subtle they are with Quirrell. We're yeah. hitting him in the back of the turban with snowballs. What a hilarious thing. Where What would, <laughs> in 2018, be uh, religious intolerance yeah. Back then was a practical <laughs> joke, as well as beating to death the greatest enemy of all time. You know? Now a jailable offense. Now, yeah. Especially in London. Oh, my God. In, in, in London, the only worst place you could do that is Germany. They, they, would, they would lock you up and throw away the key. But no, not in Hogwarts in uh, 1991. One? I think it's about to turn to 1992 in a second. But uh, we're, yeah, I believe we're in December. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Okay, uh, so happy Christmas, New Heisel. Happy Christmas, not Merry, I guess, because we're in England. We're happy Christmas, Harry. In the spirit of Christmas, Draco Malfoy makes fun of Harry for having to stay at school during the break because his parents are dead. <laughs> Harry takes this playful boys-will-be-boys boys ribbing on the chin because he's happy to be away from the Dursleys, and also because Ron is going to be there for the break as well. He's got a buddy. Hermione takes the boys to the library to help her look up this Nicholas Flamel character, and Harry gets a kicked out for being in the restricted section Begging the question, why would they even have a restricted section? <laughs> At least make it a separate room or something. There's no... Why would you tempt people with that? That's like if at the school they had half of the drinks were fruit punch and milk and orange juice and water, and then the rest were just alcohol. And it's like, oh, yeah, but you can't touch those. Like, well, why have them? Something's just going to... Somebody's just going to break the rules. Okay. On Christmas Day, Harry and Ron awake to presents. Harry... Gets candy and a sweater from Mrs. Weasley and also gets an invisibility cloak from an anonymous person, anonymous donor. Harry, being the fucking nerd that he is, decides to try to sneak out uh, just to go to the library. Nice, Harry. Don't go check out the girls' showers. What kind of teenager, teenage boy is this? What a badass. His plan falls through when one of the, one of the books he opens screams at him. Ah! Alerting Filch and forcing Harry to find refuge in a room with an old mirror. When Harry looks in this mirror, he notices that this is no ordinary mirror. It's a magic mirror. That's right. If you can believe it. Magic. In his reflection, he sees himself as well as his mother and his father. Harry stares at the mirror for some time until ultimately returning to his room. The next night, he takes Ron to the room to see his parents. But Ron doesn't see his parents. Instead, he sees himself hoisting the Quidditch Cup, which to him is essentially the equal to Harry seeing his parents. That's a, that's a different <laughs> level of deepness between the two. Think about that. The next night, Ron chickens out, so Harry goes back to see the mirror alone. In there, Harry finds Dumbledore, who explains that the mirror shows you your deepest desire. Dumbledore is not angry at all. He explains that they have moved the mirror to another place because you can get lost looking at it. Again, begging the question, why would they have this at the school? If it's dangerous in an unlocked room, 
that a kid can just <laughs> happen upon. It's just nothing but liabilities. Just all problems. Just don't have structurally it. Structurally unsound. It's almost speaking of structurally. It's almost like it's because this is a uh, a novel and they're uh, they're trying to tell a story and, and reality is <laughs> a huge part of it. Uh, if you don't believe us, go back and listen to Quidditch. Okay, that's the chapter. That's the chapter. Let's just get right into it. Let me talk movie differences with you. Mm-hmm. For yeah. the movie people out there who have not read the books. Uh, in the books, Ron and Malfoy nearly fight after Malfoy takes a shot at Ron's family and general wealth. Yeah. Uh, he says, he's like, makes a reference to Hagrid. He's like, oh, you, you want to be a head gameskeeper when you grow up, Weasley? And like keeps mm-hmm. going on this thing. Uh, Snape just sees uh, Ron's side of the, uh, his retaliation. And in spite of Hagrid cluing him in on Malfoy's actions, still takes five points from Gryffindor because that's how Snape do. Uh, another difference, uh, Christmas Day is much longer in the books. In the movies, this is kind of a, a quick deal. We, we get the quick, happy Christmas, Harry, and, yeah. and we do the, the gifts quick. Uh, in the books, it's kind of a whole day. They're hanging out with the Weasley boys, snowball fights, uh, the whole deal. Hagrid, another difference, Hagrid also becomes the gosh darn man in this chapter. Uh, and this actually points to another segment of movie differences that I'm mm-hmm. going to start doing from here on. Uh, but I might start doing this every time it happens. Every now and again, they give me like a really cool story about uh, a character that I already liked. Give it to me. Uh, so uh, pretty much here, here we go. Uh, Hagrid at the at the feast uh, for Christmas Eve or for Christmas uh, when they're all in the Great Hall. It said Hagrid is basically sitting up there with the teachers getting blackout drunk. Uh, drinking booze and, and trying to kiss Professor McGonagall on the cheek. I love that. And it's like he was already a top five favorite character of me. He's the, he's the freaking man. I I love what? that so much <laughs> because we've all seen that guy. If you ha- if you haven't seen that guy, you've been that guy. Where it's like I just want to give you a hug. <laughs> oh my god! But it's because I love you. No, 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 I just I love you. I want to embrace you. <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't a forceful, weird thing. But Professor McGonagall was smiling and enjoying the whole experience. So there you go. Uh, another difference: when Harry is roaming about the castle at night, he bumps into Snape and Filch, not Snape jamming up Quirrell. Uh, in the movies, uh, when he's got the invisibility cloak on, Snape like pins Quirrell up against the mm-hmm. wall, and he's like, "You!" Uh, for their putting Snape out yeah. on the table as the bad guy. Quirrell. Uh, the movie kind of combines uh, old scenes discussed in the book where Snape is seen kind of crossing the courtyard, so they kind of just mm-hmm. combined uh, outside information. Uh, when Harry uh, looks in the mirror, uh, he sees upwards of 10 people, implying multiple family members, Yeah, that is a just huge his difference. parents. In the uh, thing, it's obviously just his parents over his shoulders. In this, it's like 10 people. It's like generations of potters. Yeah. And whatever. Uh, Which kind of begs the question, too, so are we assuming that somewhere in Harry's memory he has a picture of them in his head? Yeah, interesting, because at like his birth or something, is it possible that there were like more people that met him like as like a... Yeah, is this, you know sho- I mean? is this showing you... Can it show you desires that you don't even realize that you have, like meeting your great uncle that you were unaware you even had? Or is this something that it can only show you the desires that you know? We'll reach out to JK. She's a friend of the podcast as well, and hopefully she'll get back to us <laughs> shortly. Uh, thank you so much, Joanne. Thank um, you. Thank you. Let me uh, say this, though, too. In uh, the movies, I don't. I got to go back and watch more critically and see mm-hmm. this, but I feel like he already knew who his parents were. So there wasn't this coming uh, of like, oh, my, who are these people? Well, she has my eyes, this and that. Mm-hmm. So maybe that he was able to desire it was his parents in the books he has no idea about his family so as just a general desire he hopes for his family 
mm-hmm. and so he gets the whole kit and caboodle. It's yeah. not so specialized. You want a you want a you know a burger, and they give you a Big Mac <laughs> with a twenty piece McNuggets for five dollars. Um, but there we go. Uh, going to uh, casting questions. Oh, real quick, by the way, I I, I want to start doing this section more often too. But this uh, this chapter is one of the few examples uh, of where I think the movie uh, exceeded the book. Yeah. Um, and not to say that there wasn't a lot of fun stuff, and it was kind of a relaxing time to take a break from the plot. Mm-hmm. But uh, in, a t- in, in a time, especially when I know the end and I want to get going to the good stuff, mm-hmm. we, this chapter kind of sat on its hands for a little bit. I agree. I, Even though I can I, see w- that. W- we'll talk, uh, you know, the implications of, of the mirror and, and stuff like that, but... As like a general note, we did, Harry learns nothing in the library. He just finds this mirror, doesn't quite get it, and has a, a charming moment with Dumbledore. Well, I think it also comes down to the fact of like when the chapter is action driven or like image driven, the movie usually does exceed it because it's like that's a good call too. Yeah, seeing the mirror in the movie is cooler than reading about what the mirror yeah is. Just like how. You know, the Quidditch scenes in the movie will always be better. Yeah. And anything with a dragon in the movie will always be better. Yeah. But anything where it's like, you know, a conversation, the book's better because you're getting even more in-depth in that. Yeah. And the tension of uh, when Harry kind of almost has his run-in with, with Snape while mm-hmm. wearing the invisibility cloak. Way more intense in the movie because you can you have the score you and it. you have the whole thing. You can, you can dress that up a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, so there you go. A couple casting questions before we hit uh, the chapter discussion. Hit me. Uh, I wanted to talk to Nicholas Flamel, but we're not going to do it this chapter because the next chapter is titled literally Nicholas Flamel. Mm-hmm. So we'll Nicholas save that Flamel. to talk about then. Uh, the only other person we meet, and we barely meet him in, in the movies, uh, is Madame Pince, the librarian. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, I don't know if it's just the audiobook's charm, but what a, what a sweet old lady. Yeah, and she <laughs> ends up becoming... Well... Get she, out. Yeah, she, she is a sweet old lady. I feel like in the movies, was, wasn't she a little bit harsher? Uh, I don't remember that. I kind of, but uh, honestly, I kind of, as far as the back half of the Hogwarts staff goes, I kind of lump them all together. Like once you get past Trelawney, I, I don't know who's who. She uh, is kind of a stickler. She's sort of like the Argus, uh, like an Argus Filch type though. She is. Okay. She, she is. She's been, a rule follower. She's been given <laughs> the responsibility of the library. Which, in Hogwarts, apparently there's a lot of uh, horseplay in there. <laughs> and when the one rule is for the, the place that you have to be responsible for is that there's quiet, I'm sure it gets really frustrating. Like, I'm sure you literally pick up on any and all noise. And in her defense, too, I would say the stakes of uh, that library are more so than the Dewey Decimal System ridden places that we're used to. Probably. I, I got to believe that restricted section. I just saw the one book, but it tried to fucking eat Harry. So, by the way. Looking back on the movies now, first time I saw it, scariest part of the movie. This time, funniest part of the movie. It is hilarious. Wait, what? Just the concept of this thing coming through the Scare- pages, yeah. and it's like he's got like a sheet over his face, and it's like, what is this thing? Yeah. <laughs> ah! Um. Yeah, yeah. I, she, she is sort of like a stickler, and you're totally right. I, I actually was thinking about like writing a little bit about that, where it's just like, what more? Later on, we get a book that. Uh, it like acts like a monster and will and will like nip at you, uh, but kind of playfully, not super dangerously. I guess some people get a little bit hurt, but not crazy. But yeah. I, the idea of like, you know, books they kind of look like mouths. <laughs> let's really play with that. <laughs> let's have fun with. Let's this. have them scream and bite people and stuff. <laughs> let's let's do it. 
Uh, okay, right out of the gate. Uh, obviously, we're now celebrating Christmas time. That's mm-hmm. why kids are going home, and there's snow on the ground, and people mm-hmm. are excited. For sure, for sure. Uh, it's interesting to me that the magical community celebrates Christmas as a, is a religious holiday. Mm-hmm. Uh, is religion a thing at all in the magical community? Uh, is everyone generally the same, or are there multiple religions in play? Is religious tolerance a thing? complicated question there because is that a little loaded especially in this day <laughs> no 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 no. it's it's a super interesting question it's like is religion a thing because there is almost exclusively christian uh a ton of christian stuff and a ton of like christian symbolism mm-hmm. uh they obviously they celebrate christmas mm-hmm. but i mean i think unless you're in you know the middle east pretty much everywhere has a christmas break uh so it's like maybe that's just sort of like a well you know it's a good excuse to have a break we'll call it christmas but they get christmas presents they, they and they, they really the dress like, up the great hall they like spend time decorating it i don't recall anyone ever mentioning uh, i don't recall anybody ever mentioning uh jesus ever in the books like they don't ever say the word the name jesus yeah that'd be a stretch thing as people are coming back to life but like it's i mean the whole thing gets very murky if we start doing that but you know, in, in book seven, they end up going to uh, a graveyard and on uh, Harry's mom's uh, tombstone, there's like a Bible verse. And on another uh, tombstone there, I forget whose, there's another another Bible verse. Interesting. Um, but she is also muggle-born. She's muggle-born. So, yeah. Interesting. Interesting, interesting stuff. Um, the hospital that everybody goes to is St. Mungo's. So it's named after a saint. You know, that... I'm sure if there was some sort of like, we don't believe in it, they wouldn't be like, we'll call it St. Mungo's for shit. <laughs> I don't think they would. Um, Harry has a godfather, which is a Christian thing. Yeah. Uh, primarily Catholic, but other denominations as well, where it's like, it's after your, like your baptism is like your yeah, godfather. Yeah. So it's like to suggest that Harry was maybe baptized. Um, Interesting things the thing, right now. The thing deals with the afterlife a lot. Also... Here's a little uh, crazy thing. It's not too nuts to be like Harry Potter is an allegory for Jesus. Harry is Jesus. No, that's why I think the whole thing gets murky. Can I throw some stuff at you? Hit me. Uh, He sacrificed himself for for, for the uh, good of wizard kind. Okay. And then was resurrected. Okay. Those are two pretty big ones. Those, I mean, kind of the, the, the two biggies. I could probably just mm-hmm. sort of walk away from them. You probably could. Uh, you have more? <laughs> he leads a revolution. Okay. Um, he has disciples to some extent. Okay. Whether they be house elves, his, which it, he basically His revolution is a little bit more militant, but okay. Uh, goblins, which he uh, had very terrible relations with wizards, and I'm sure they still do to a certain extent, but he was friendly to the lepers, if you will. Uh, as well as, uh, you know, younger students and stuff. There's a certain point where they literally become his followers and they become Dumbledore's army, uh, which is to suggest maybe Dumbledore is God. He is <laughs> Harry's father figure. He uh, is essentially about as close as you get to all-powerful as anybody. Sure. Um, he's kind of all-knowing. He's kind of all-knowing. Uh, a lot of the stuff he does... He, it's safe to say he works in mysterious ways, um, keeping a lot of car- <laughs> keeping a lot of cards close to the chest until you need to until you need to see him. I'm satisfied. Okay, so moving and, forward. Uh, no, 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 no. I got some more. And when uh, Harry uh, ends up in King's Cross when he when he dies, it's, he who does he, he see? But God, Dumbledore. Greeted, yeah. Uh, there's also 
Also, Harry and uh, Jesus both have pretty iconic scars, you could say. You Je- could Jesus say. Jesus on the hands and the feet. And the rib. And the rib. And uh, Harry with uh, his hands. I'm kidding. His, his forehead. Crazy little theory, though, also kind of bouncing off that slightly different, but is uh, that Dumbledore, and this is, you know, the definition of me just shooting to the seventh book, <laughs> is Dumbledore death? Because the tale of the three brothers is that death gives these three brothers right uh, the elder wand, which the three things to like resur- if one person could hold all of them would an, cheat death, right? Uh, exactly, an unbeatable wand, uh, a resurrection stone, so you could bring people back from the dead, and uh, invisibility, an invisibility cloak. Um, and. They say that maybe Dumbledore's death, because if you look at it, uh, Snape, Voldemort, and Harry are really good examples of the three brothers. Voldemort, who wants to be all-powerful, is the wand. Uh Uh, Snape, whose entire life is basically just destroyed when Lily dies, and he spends his entire life kind of trying to bring her back. Uh Uh, And Harry, being the invisibility one, who... At the very end at King's Cross Station, what happens uh, to the brother with the invisibility cloak? Oh, he gets tired and he greets death like an old friend. Harry and Dumbledore. What is going on, J.K. Roll? That was cool. Uh, good stuff. Welcome to the show, I, I, I ask a question about Christmas. I get all that. That's why I saw you put your like religion in Hogwarts. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I'm about to open up a goddamn thing. I th- I'm sure there's so much more stuff out there, too. Where people are like, Harry says this, that's exactly word for word, but this is. J.K. Rowling, I believe, also confirmed that from the get-go, Harry was like an allegory for Jesus. Stories don't change. Names just do. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving on. There's only been seven stories, and Shakespeare wrote six of them. <laughs> um, so... Uh, we talked about already that they were uh, gearing up for Christmas. Uh, Professor McGonagall and Professor Flitwick are... Uh, decorating the great hall meanwhile uh hagrid is uh carrying a giant tree in from the forest it seems why is hagrid ever carrying anything this keeps happening by notes again in this chapter uh he's shown carrying the massive tree uh through the courtyard into the great hall Mm -hmm. uh could we not just send someone with a good wand and save rubeus uh some back troubles down the road so here's how i would describe it you know how there's like, you know, older TVs with the power button stuff? And, sure. And how you can go across and get the remote in the couch. Yes. Or you can literally just go and press the power button. I think it's kind of like that where it's like, to Hagrid, this is nothing. <laughs> I think that's the excuse. I think it's also that to levitate a tree, it's not as like, there are like some sort of, there are laws to magic you can't just like levitate whatever you want it does take like some okay magical strength it would be sort of a chore for them as well okay. not nearly as much as someone carrying it yeah but yeah all of a sudden like just the way it's described it's all uh, it's hagrid walking this thing in where you can't even see you, him you just see his feet beneath the tree mm-hmm. and he walks into the great hall and professor mcgonagall and flitwick literally have everything in the room up in the air and they're like, oh, would you just take that all the way to the far corner? Oh, at that point. And I'm just yeah. like, fuck you. At what that point, is it's this? Like, how about a hand? Well, it's like, too, it's like when uh, when when we're on like a set and there's flats and stuff. 
yeah. which for people listening and you don't know, flats are big, like, you know, 10 by eight or uh, 10 by 10, just wooden walls. And we see, you know, five people struggling to carry it in. Pretty much you and I will always just be like, let us just walk it in. And I feel like that's kind of like Hagrid too, where it's like at a certain point, it's just like, let me just fucking, I'll put it there really quick. Let the, let the men uh, roll up their sleeves and get this thing done. Hey, you want, you want to be here all day? You want new, to see this thing get done? Newsflash. You're a big dude. <laughs> hey, you are as well. We're big dudes. Let's put these shoulders together. Let's change lives. Big dudes who love <laughs> Potter. Potheads. <laughs> Name of the podcast. Um, uh, just a discussion point here. You already kind of brought it up in your uh, recap. Uh, but the restricted section, it's better explained in the books. In the movies, it's never said. So in the books, I'm going to read this quote from the uh, chapter. Uh, a student needs a specialized note from a teacher to access it. Mm-hmm. In the movies, that line's never said. Yeah. So it's just the restricted section, and students aren't allowed to go. And I'm mm-hmm. just like, why the fuck are these books around then? What are we doing? Yeah, Is I this just a litmus test to catch the criminals? I don't really know, too, because the only books that are ever in there that they find are the only one that I really know is because uh, I don't think they find Nicholas Flamel in the restricted section. I think the only book that I know of that's in there is the one that teaches uh, uh, what's his name? Tom Riddle, how to, how to make Horcruxes. Which so is it's nuts like, that that's in there. So it's like, of <laughs> course you don't have the anarchist cookbook in school libraries, <laughs> even if it's in a section that the kids aren't allowed to go to. <laughs> Like, you don't just have, like, bomb-making stuff. They, you can say, you know, you can say, like, well, it's, you know, free speech and people have the right to know. It's like, they have the right to know, but that doesn't mean that they, ha- like, you're just, you making it available to them is more you being like, no, you know? <laughs> totally. It's said in the chapter that uh, later on, uh, seventh year, advanced against the dark arts students, which is very few, mm-hmm. uh, and I assume potion students as well, given the conversation between Tom Riddle and Professor... Help me. The guy uh, who's a chair. Slughorn? Slughorn. Uh, but yeah, so that so that makes more sense. I was glad to get some clarity on that. But it's just interesting, all these off-limits zones in Hogwarts. There's more off-limits zones at Hogwarts than there are on-limits zones. It seems that phrase. way. It certainly seems that way. I mean, the, the opening speech is just a list of rooms and places you shouldn't go. It's well, unbelievable. It's like, well, shit. Well, a good percentage of your students just found out they are wizards within the last calendar year. I think they're going to be a little curious. The stairs are changing, Albus. All you need to do is put a sign in front of there that's like, toilets overflowing, don't go in. And I don't think anybody's going in anywhere. Boom. I think I think the problem's solved. I'm satisfied. Although, pending on the ages. Yeah. I mean, we go all the way down to 10 and 11-year-olds in this thing. They want to see poop. <laughs> it's just a fun topic. Yeah. Uh, little, another uh, discussion point here. Wizard chess is actually really cool. Wizard's chess. I always oh, is it wizard's chess? Uh, I always like to give it a little shit because it's not well explained in the movies. In the movies, you basically just see him play. Mm-hmm. In the books, it's really well outlined that basically uh, you are like the lieutenant of this military group, and you yeah. are leading soldiers. You're leading men. You want to know why? Because that's wizard's chess. <laughs> <laughs> but it's cool. It's described that Ron's super good, and he's trying to teach Harry how to play, and literally the soldiers are yelling back at him like. No, don't send me there. Yeah. Why would you send me there? Sir, sir, <laughs> I, I have a family. That's too bad, Gregorius. March your way to E5. That's why we sacrifice the pawns. Mm. That is a X-Men 3 reference. You're welcome mm-hmm. for it. Uh, moving on. Who gives Harry the invisibility cloak? 
Uh, you actually already blew this for me. Uh, yeah, God did. Dumbledore <laughs> did. I thought it was. I thought it'd be serious. But I know he's. I know he's at Azkaban, but I. I think he could get. You know, he's been there for a little while. He slipped something to the Dementors. We could get a message out. Here's the thing, <laughs> Azkaban, while it is a prison, isn't like you know, human normal Muggle prisons where it's like you can have pen pals and whatnot. <laughs> There's no outgoing mail. <laughs> But uh, no, it was uh, Dumbledore and a, a little interesting story about that. So we find out later in the way down in the seventh book uh, that this book more than any other ties probably the heavy majority of the stuff it ties to is the seventh book. I feel like other books we're going to be talking about like, yeah, and then we find out in Gobble of Fire. But no, in this one, it's like seventh book, this happens. So uh, Dumbledore... Uh, essentially, you know, was obsessed with the Hallows mm-hmm. growing up. And when he realized that uh, James Potter's invisibility cloak was the invisibility cloak, or at least he suspected it, he asked James, can I borrow it for a second to just sort of like check it out, do some tests and, you know, figure uh-huh. it out? And James said, sure. And during that time was when Voldemort came and, and killed the Potters and our story began. So... Dumbledore has a, a huge sense of guilt because if James has had it, maybe, you know, he and Harry and Lily could have all gotten under it. Because that's the thing about the invisibility cloak, too. It's not something that, like, just disguises you. There's also some powers where, like, it does keep you away from death. Okay. Like, Harry, I'm sure I'm, there's a, a, a moment, but I can't remember a time when they're under the invisibility cloak and they don't sneak by like there's never a time when when it gets ripped off them and they're like not so fast like it, 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 it happens one time by someone that knows they're wearing it it's like and, yeah like when harry's crying and 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 hermione comes up and yanks it but off like him. innocently it's yeah not like yeah an, exactly an, an enemy doesn't come up and isn't like hey you yeah know? yeah so it almost has like a supernatural ability of like also kind of protecting you from danger in the tale of the three brothers it was given to him to hide him from death so it's like yeah What's up? Didn't Malfoy somehow? Maybe. Malfoy does discover it. Henry sitting on the couch. You're totally right. Malfoy does notice it, but I believe Malfoy notices that's it. That's on the train, and that's after he's been bewitched because he hears him, right? Like he, Harry he, steps on something or something like that. Harry, I'm I'm blanking what exactly happens, but Malfoy does stun him, and and Malfoy does a really like a good sort of like no look pass, no look stun, so almost basketball style, where it's just like he where he's like looking the other way, Bataka! Uh, that's the sound that comes out of the one when you stun somebody. Um, but Henry, you're totally right. Malfoy does catch him. And that's one of those scenes too, where you're like, holy shit. I think he kicks him in the face, kicks him in the nose. And it's like that, Jesus, Draco. that and Hermione lighting, uh, Snape on fire to stop him from interfering with a, a, uh, intramural Quidditch match. <laughs> Two of the biggest overreactions in the book. Round one of the the year long round robin. I think we're gonna get them again. Yeah, uh, we'll play them four more times. Let me ask you this question too: uh, How did the Potters come into the possession of it in the first place? How did James ever get his hands on it to begin with? Because it is the cloak. The Peveril brothers are the ones. The the, the tale of the three brothers. Ignotus Peveril uh, is uh, the James Potter's a direct male descendant. Oh of, wow! Of Ignotus Peveril. So Harry is as well. Neat. Yeah. 
First time I'm learning that information. So I don't know how far back you go in the... Uh, there's a few uh, Harry Potter family trees, which is really cool and also really just shows you how every, everything's just incest because there's only like 12 families. But uh, because you look at it and it's like, oh... Uh, the, you know, half of these characters are married to each other and they all share four grandparents. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he's a peril. Okay. Mm-hmm. Interesting stuff. Uh, moving on, they have, uh, this big feast in the great hall, uh, in honor of Christmas. The nutritional program, uh, program at Hogwarts is pretty freaking unbelievable for a group of people that, uh, already have significantly less physical activity on a day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, they fly around on broomsticks for PE as their physical education. You never see anyone at Hogwarts in really a full out sprint. You do, I guess, in the battles and stuff, but like, yeah. And when they're like playfully chasing after the train, the Hogwarts express, but outside of that, but it's innocent. It, yeah. It's like, yeah. <laughs> not, not, not a lot of rushing. Their, their VO2 max is so, not yeah. outstanding. And in addition to this, they just blast calories all day. Between the daily multiple course meals offered in the Great Hall, these people cannot stop uh, eating candy mm-hmm. and, and just mad. Like, literally, their meals are like five courses. It's like they've got constantly just dishes floating around them, and then there's desserts and sweets, and they're taking stuff shit to I their would- dorms. The amount of gravy I think I would eat if I was at Hogwarts, <laughs> where it's just a constant, you got chicken and bread and turkey and just everything that really goes well with gravy, and they have gravy as well, I'm going to take advantage of it. Why don't we have more gravy anymore? I don't know. But you know what else we don't have of is marshmallows. There's a scene where they're talking about sitting around the fire, and they were uh, roasting anything they could get their hands on. Ah. It was like all these bread and crackers, and then marshmallows also. It was like, of course, because that's... Little pyro belongs in that snack combo. Yeah. Uh, Roasting bread. I just wanted to bring that up. It's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, apparently, insulin was a, a quick magical spell uh, discovered for him, and, and that's just not a problem, I guess. There are fatties there. They're definitely fatties, but none of them mm-hmm. seem to be too worried about it. There are big fat fatties. Obesity is an issue, even yeah. though there's fatties. Yeah. You know? But it's, you know, I think it's one of those things, too, where it's like, you know, they, they got spells to sort of, you know, they keep you straight. Okay. I I I think if you look at the list, like something like you know, forty percent of deaths for humans are obesity caused illnesses or heart disease. Uh, if not, I think like it might be like fifty percent. I'm sure in the Muggle community, heart disease is just quick spell. <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay. So that is the meal. Then Harry goes back and he decides he's going to take his cloak out for a spin. Ends up finding the mirror of Erised. Now, I just want to talk mirror with you for a second. What is it? Where did it come from? What room is in it at Hogwarts? Uh, mm-hmm. What is the meaning of the inscription? Because there's like a Latin inscription across the top of it. So the inscription, the inscription. So obviously, Erised, if you haven't put this together yet, but you're still listening, Erised is desire backwards. You told me that yesterday. It blew my mind. Almost like if you held that in front of a mirror, it would say desire. Uh, the wow. The language that's on it, Wow, it says it's Latin or it says it's another language? It just sounded Latin. I'm not. It's, uh, I, I don't, I don't think it's Latin. Uh, Salway. Salway, <laughs> <mean, it's> <laughs> Magister. Salway, Magister. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's not Latin, but it, uh, is if you hold that backwards something that says like you know if you look okay if you look yeah to see the mirror image of it 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 would read something it's a sentence if you if you read it backwards i think the words are not like it's not like perfect but like it's all the letters in a row do spell something out perfectly but they like you know the spaces are weird so it looks kind of different but 
Anyway, uh, so that's what that is. It's like definitely some sort of, you know, ancient or just like very old magic. Uh, it, I don't think it's something that's like, you know, evil or anything like that. Um, but it's just this cool mirror that shows you what you desire. It's in a random classroom. I don't know if they ever referenced the classroom again by being like, oh, and it's in the classroom that Harry went to. Uh, it's in like one of those, you know, every now and then you go to school and it's like, oh yeah, it's a classroom that's just not being used. This yeah, year. yeah, exactly. Um, it's not the room of requirement because uh, the room of requirement, Harry. It's did, not just an open door. Yeah, yeah, Although exactly. I guess he did require getting away. Yeah. So maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong. Bryce, let us know. Um, that would be super interesting if that were the case though. Yeah, but uh, the fact that Dumbledore was in there... And he didn't walk past it three times. He just was creeping down the hallway. Dumbledore was in there, and Dumbledore also mentions uh, in Goblet of Fire at some point that he essentially discovered the Room of Requirement recently. And and he was like, there's still secrets I don't know about this place. And it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, so to going to that point, literally, if you're finding stuff on accident, this is all I'm doing with my free time. I'm mm-hmm. just going exploring. Yeah. That's all I want to do. We in high school once found out that there was a tunnel between uh like the main building of our school and the church, which was like a hundred yards away. There mm-hmm. was like a crawl space tunnel in the basement. Mm-hmm. And this took two weeks of our time trying to locate this tunnel. Granted, the the places it could have possibly been, like probably square footage, twenty five feet. We uh we had very similar. We had uh a room in our school, went to school in uh, DC area with a lot of a lot of Secret Service hanging around our school and stuff like that. Uh, oh, cool! Yeah, DC. Oh, yeah. CIA. We, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I like DC. You guys are good people. We're really good people. <laughs> you just I, you immediately had to just your your setup to your story already blew past my story. So I was just I'm you gonna know. continue with my story. <laughs> Sour grapes over here. Keep going. <laughs> um, but uh, there was this one huge massive room we found in the basement of the high school that uh has it's essentially like a bomb shelter type sure place i think you'd call it a bomb shelter huge huge door and like enough food that's a bomb shelter good call to, to feed like a thousand people in the school for like months <laughs> in, in case in case there was like nuclear fallout or something like that and let's just say that once we found that free snacks it, for the year it, it would it, the, <laughs> by the end of the year if there was nuclear fallout it would last the thousand people about a month we, we we really tore through it a quality afternoon yeah and then and then we'd have to hit the panic button um okay perfect uh by the way just a discussion point on this scene as mm-hmm. harry walks in and sees his family for the first time in the movies it's you know if anything it's a ha- happy sad scene it's not yeah. it's not a crying scene. It's like kind of a confusing but then like Harry but Harry as a character is never kind of sad in it mm-hmm. or just like like the way that it's described. It's kind of like a oh there's his parents. Cool. What a mm-hmm. cool scene for him. Good moment. Uh and then I mean I guess it gets a little sad when he brings Ron back and he's like how could it? Everyone in my reflection is dead. Whatever. Yeah. Um but this is absolutely brutal in the books. It's his whole family. He at first does not recognize who the people are. He sees his mom, recognizes her eyes are the same as his, and then just starts putting two and two together. Yeah. Oh my God. Tough couple pages. No, no. It's there's a lot of heartbreak in this entire series because it's a it's essentially worse than an orphan boy. He is a boy who's been abused. You know, it's like <laughs> it's, real and who who is out of a you know 
Hitler after him his entire life. Like it's like just brutal. A lot, a lot of death, a lot of sadness. Uh, and that's why, to your point, when you said like Ron, his wishes are the Quidditch Cup. He doesn't even want to win like <laughs> the the professional the World Quidditch Cup. Cup. <laughs> it's just the Quidditch Cup, and I'm and he's head boy. And 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 it's kind of like the whole thing is like, and I'm better than my brothers. So yeah. It's like I guess that's kind of deep actually. <laughs> but but just like the pure material, like I'd like to win a cup. Now, I always remember thinking this was super lame, like when you see it in the movies, because you don't see, obviously, him holding the cup. You just see Ron reacting. He's like, oh, and I'm head boy. Mm -hmm. Look at me go. Uh, Look at me go. Hindsight 2020. uh, This would be what I would see in the mirror. I don't have Harry's troubled past. If if, if me at 11 years old, just starting at this school, my biggest wish would be I want to win the freaking House Cup and do the freaking Quidditch thing and go all the way no totally <laughs> i'd buy so hard into the school i mean we're talking about the fact that we would explore like there's the the book can you tell me about the book that uh tells uh hermione and the other people who read it all about the is the, it the hogwarts grounds? a history i read it in hogwarts a history uh hogwarts <laughs> it's not really the night sky it's just bewitched it's just bewitched you think <laughs> hermione <laughs> there's jack-o'-lanterns floating up there of course it's magic you're in magic school uh magic camp but uh yeah it's Definitely, I would I would tear through that book first thing, and then I would say to you, who I assume is in the bottom bunk or maybe in the top bunk. I don't <laughs> I'm know. a top bunk guy. All I Ask Henry is, and Matt. I'm actually a bottom <laughs> bunk guy. Sleepwalk. We work. Um, but I would be reading that at night, and then I in the morning I wake wake up and be like, all right. So apparently there's something in called the Chamber of Secrets, and it is in the basement, and we have to <laughs> figure out how the fuck to get there. Uh, I don't know how you do it but i'm gonna type up right a now. list of your 20 best ideas i want them on my desk by this afternoon i'll do the same i'll we'll, cut we'll that cross down to two and we'll decide and we'll decide <laughs> uh dumbledore with a pretty cool quote here uh he sneaks up on harry as he comes in for harry's third consecutive night uh, to look mm-hmm. at the mirror and albus is sitting behind him and he's like back again so soon harry mm-hmm. and whatever he says uh, have you been spying on me headmaster <laughs> but he gets quoted in this chapter saying i don't need a cloak to become invisible uh saying this to harry as like how did you get here without me seeing you uh what is albus driving at here is this a fact can he walk around just like the invisible man you know i don't know exactly i know that albus Dumbledore can do a lot of stuff that nobody else can do and they mention every now and then there's a lot of stuff a lot of magic that uh because there are concealment charms Mm-hmm. But I think he'd need more than that to just be invisible. Uh, but I assume, yeah, I assume he can probably do something that makes himself invisible. <laughs> that I don't think any other wizard can do. <laughs> Maybe Voldemort, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, okay. Uh, and then last one, and this is just kind of an open discussion uh, as we finish up the chapter here. Uh, but what do you think the significance of this chapter uh, in the mirror is? Like, as I kind of said before we got going, uh, I didn't think we moved a lot in this chapter plot-wise. I thought you had some characterization with Harry and Dumbledore as they had a nice conversation. Mm-hmm. Good moments for Harry as he finally meets his family, which is cool. Uh, but what does it all mean, Basil? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, does like like should I like be hanging on to the mirror of Erised? Does that is that ever going to play a factor again beyond the last chapter of this book, or is it like we see it again? Much later than room requirement. I forget what year. I think it might be the sixth or seventh book. Probably the seventh book. We see it again. But it's not 
really, it's again, not something that really drives the plot in any direction. It's not like because of this, you know, Harry makes this choice or something like Mm -hmm. that. We learn a little bit about, it's kind of a really good chapter for just like, like serious character development. Yeah. And of like, you learn a lot about Dumbledore, not a lot about, not a lot about Dumbledore, but you, you get the mystery more of Dumbledore. You learn a lot about Ron where it's like, okay, this is what is in his mind. It's sort of his yeah. brother's or his rival. Yeah. And then of course, Harry, you, you learn that like, you know, just a little bit of story of his parents, a little bit more. A homie's troubled. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. And you know what? We'll open this conversation up more too when we get to the last chapter and basically Quirrell's looking in the mirror and can't find the rock the stone. And, Ooh, and yes. That does come back there. And then, uh, cause, cause that, that's kind of an interesting thing is to, you know, corruption, desire, all these themes will, will play a factor. It, it also tells you that the mirror can be, uh, bewitched or charmed yeah. or, or whatever, because it, Dumbledore does make it to the mirror can do some stuff. And then we just pop the, <laughs> the stone in Harry's pocket. Yeah. Fun yeah. stuff. There you go. Uh, but there you go. That was chapter 12, The Mirror of Erised. Erised. <laughs> you got a spell for us? I ask you that. Well, <laughs> um, I got the, the cord now on my laptop. I'm recording this bad oh, boy. Yeah. It's up to you now. So. Um, and you have more spells at your disposal. Yeah, but everyone, that, one that, Alohomora. Boom. Yeah. You were leaving without saying goodbye, did you?